Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus. Through this series, we'll be speaking to college and university leaders about the trends, ideas, and opportunities that are shaping the future of higher education and picking their brains for best practices and advice that leaders can apply to their own institutions. On today's episode, the Evolution's Editor-in-Chief, Amado Lawalia, speaks with Casey Yurkidas, who is Vice President for Enrollment Management and Dean of Undergraduate Admission at University of Arizona. We talked to Casey about the new approach to enrollment management to meet the digital demands and expectations of modern learners. Let's get into it. Well, Casey, welcome to the Illumination Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, I mean, let's start off just talking about the role of of enrollment management, the, the impact of enrollment management processes around enrollment management have been slowly changing for a long time. And before we dive into the, the meat of today's conversation, I'm curious as to, you know, your perspective on, on the pandemic and its impact on enrollment management. Now, I think there's sort of two schools of thought here, right? Where you have half of folks that are saying like the, the pandemic introduced a totally new approach to, to learner engagement, to enrollment pipeline development. Whereas there's another school of thought that seems to be it accelerated a number of slow moving trends. Where do you come down on that? Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely think both things happened. Um, you know, we feel like we were able to provide access to students who maybe had never had that access to the University of Arizona before. You know, they couldn't get here physically. Um, and then when no one could get here physically, we really had to ramp up our efforts. We had to do a much, much better job of getting our message out there through live events, through on-demand kind of events, you know, being able to see yourself on a campus without actually physically being there. There was a lot of work that had to go into that to make sure that students could find their way to us. And so through that, I think that we found a lot of students um, had more access to us. And, you know, we enrolled our largest class we'd ever had in the history of the University of Arizona for our first year class this past year. And I really believe that it's that access that we opened up. We always felt like, oh, if a student doesn't come to campus and feel themselves here, they can't pick us, right? And so we we proved that wrong. And I think we'll continue to be able to do that and help students around the world really find their place, whether it's here or somewhere else, because of the technology and the the focus that we put on that, that we probably wouldn't have ever done before. That's really interesting. Because I, I mean, what's important here to recognize as well, and for listeners who may, may not be up on the National Student Clearinghouse numbers, that's the large, you said the largest freshman class ever against a backdrop of first three and a half percent decline in, in the total undergraduate population. And, and this year we're looking at a 6% overall decline in undergraduate students between 2019 to 2021. I mean, you managed to outpace historical performance against a backdrop of enrollment decline across the board. What were some of the tactics that you and your team were using to create that sense of virtual belonging? Because we all know, I mean, fit is super important to a modern learner. um, And during the pandemic, I think some of those tendencies as digital consumers really came to the forefront. But I also think we have to just kind of go back to the beginning of time when all this started with looking for colleges and it's that communication and personalized approach and so what we really tried to do is to continue to have that um, with excellent customer service in a digital world and so uh, we were um, you know I I have to credit the staff and the teams because they gave it their all and it was a a lot of work to be you know feel like you were 24 7 where if a student wanted to talk you know here we were on zoom with you um students were actually answering the phone they really wanted that connection and so i think with through the amount of phone calls and just 
really actual personal connections that were made. Um, recently, a, a colleague met a family in another state and they said, oh, we're headed down to the University of Arizona. And she said, oh, how did you pick U of A? And it was, they answer the phone. And so I think that mm. kind of just going back to a lot of that work that we've always done and prided ourselves on, but we ramped it up a notch so that, you know, not only was it just a phone, but you could see someone, if you wanted to FaceTime, we were going to do that with you. You know, 82 million emails is how much we sent last year. Whoa. So, um, you know, there was a lot that went into specific content for students based on what they told us they wanted. And I think that's a really big part of all of this is that personalization piece, curating messages being responsive to students, being responsive to their families, because, you know, one of the things that we talk about all the time is it's not just a student decision, it's a family decision. And if you feel that you're wanted and we're going to support you and we're going to help you understand what that ROI looks like for you, then we might be the right place. And so I think that through that work, uh, very personalized approach, it made the difference. That's fascinating. And one thing that, that's really standing out to me here is that idea of, you know, how do you leverage personalization? And personalization is becoming the, the watchword or the standard across the e-commerce industry. It's, it's really how, I mean, if you're going on Uber Eats, it's going to suggest to you restaurants right. and, and exact dishes that it thinks are going to be the thing that you're going to want. They, you know, Amazon will throw you uh, book recommendations based on your engagement patterns on your Kindle. Even the app store, if you're, if you're on an iPhone, is going to suggest to you specific apps based on, on your browsing patterns. And so for higher education to start adopting that mentality makes a lot of sense. But how are you guys doing that at scale? Because yeah. as you said, you, you sent 82 million emails last year. You're dealing with the largest undergraduate class that you've ever handled. How do you create a personalized touch for, for that scale of individuals? What does it take from the staff perspective? It's a huge amount of work for the staff. And I will say, you know, we have a long way to go still, you know, we're not Amazon, we're not, you know, we're not recommending exactly as I, I think that we could get to, but we are, we're doing all we can to really help to listen to students. So if you're telling us, you know, initially on an RFI, a request for information form, you're telling us what you're interested in. We're not just going to keep sending you the same blanket messages that, you know, I'm, we may have done in the past. We're going to make that detailed enough to be information that we know that you want so that it piques your interest a little more to look into a few other things. So we're really just trying to do that as much as we can, but we have a lot to do still. Um, uh, the staff, I think, are tired and, you know, we really need to uh, figure out how as we are continuing to evolve in admissions and financial aid and our enrollment management area, you know, where do, are the most important positions? You know, is it still the recruiter that goes to the school? Of course, you know, that's my background and I, we will always have that. That's very important, but the technology piece is critical and how we ensure that we're taking that information that the uh, practitioner is doing on a daily basis and learning from families and students that we're putting that into the tech. So, um, you know, there's just a lot more that we, we can do, I think, in higher education. Um, it, but I think the biggest um, and most important thing for us to keep in mind is that you can do all of those technology pieces, but we have to make good on it. And we have to have ensure that that learner experience is actually happening once they get here. Because if we don't keep them, they're not retained, then it's, you know, all of it was for, for not, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the other side of it is making sure that anything that we're putting out there is um, absolutely an opportunity for that student to do here at, at the university. One thing that stands out to me as we're talking about sort of personalization is that it's really all based on, I guess, the outbound or 
connective engagement between institutional staff and the individual learner. But the website strikes me as the resource that could be most impactful for delivering that level of personalization. And again, that would more closely mirror what we see in the e-commerce space. Why are websites typically so underused as sort of a marketing and engagement tool in, in the higher ed space? No, great question. I, I think that we uh, felt that way for quite some time and we didn't spend as much time on our website as we needed to. We did a complete overhaul that was actually in process right before the pandemic and all. Oh, that's convenient. <laughs> we, um, we have a complete rehaul, um, which we really focused on user experience, student experiences going through the site, our high school counselors, our advisory board. Um, and I think it made a huge difference because um, students and families, they want to be able to get to the information that they're seeking in the shortest amount of clicks or we lose them. Mm -hmm. And so we really did a lot to uh, make sure that we could help families find that information. And one of the things that we know that they want the most information about is what programs we offer. So that's kind of the number one reason that you know students pick an institution and then all these other things kind of fill in. And so we re developed our degree search program. Um, that's a very easy click on our website. And we're seeing great number of students who stay on that site for much longer than they used to and move into application phase. Again, it's about listening and really taking the information that you're being told from your customers, for lack of a better word, and making good on that and getting that into, um, into practice. And so that's been really our focus is to make sure that we are doing that work. And I think for a long time, we, we thought we knew better because we're the experts in the field and we don't, you know, we have to talk to our families and the students and the, our high school counselors and community college advisors to really understand what is needed to make the most impact. That's interesting. And I, I want to get to the idea of institutional culture in a second, because we're talking about some ideas that I think would have been very taboo a, a year ago, even, or two years ago. But before we get there, I mean, one thing that I'm finding really interesting is when you're talking about the digital environment for the modern institution, it's stuff that makes sense, but has been slow to be adopted, a, a digital curriculum, right? So that's browsable on the website, personalization tools that are going to allow a student to find the right pathway for them in as mm -hmm. few clicks as possible, clear pricing information, clear and relevant information that's going to support a decision-making process, and all of that kind of surrounding the idea of how do you create fit, you know, with virtual tours, whether it's, you know, any of those kinds of tools that are going to create a sense of emotional bond between the prospect and the institution. Within the context of, you know, this sort of fast-changing post-secondary space, how do you create movement towards bringing on the tools and the infrastructure that's required to be successful in, in what is a fundamentally different post-secondary environment? Well, I think we have to start earlier. I mean, we need to be helping families in eighth grade with their students to understand what tools we have available and what it takes to kind of get to that level. We also have to be able to help them to see that we have options. Um, we have a lot of students who are telling us even now they want the full campus experience, they want the sports, they wanna live in the dorm, they wanna do all of these things, but they wanna take their classes digitally because that's what they know and they done well in that. Um, and so they wanna have the full campus experience without the in-person class experience. And so how do you kind of figure out what that looks like for, for students and explain that to them early on so that they know what kind of options that they have. and even you know, we don't even know what the careers of tomorrow might even look like for, for the students that are coming yeah. up. But we have to be able to help them to understand the skills that we're going to instill in them and support them with as they are um, making their way through so that 
or the right choice or whichever institution that is for them. But it's definitely starting early. And, you know, again, it, it seems kind of silly because it's all this technology and digital that we're working on, but it goes back again to communication and involvement with our institution and what our individuals can share with families and students about who we are and how we're going to help them reach their goals. Absolutely. So, I mean, coming back to this question then of, of institutional culture, you made a really interesting point that's stuck in my head now, which is the idea that, you know, we used to think we were the experts at this, but, you know, it turns out we have to talk to our market. <laughs> it's a concept that I think is taking hold, you know, not just in enrollment management circles, but at different layers of the institution, yes. that there's this broader recognition of the need for market responsiveness and you know, everything that that entails. And broadly speaking, I, I think there's this shift in the institutional role from being the ivory tower, the paragon of direction to, to more of a facilitator of student learning, more of a facilitator of knowledge development, as opposed to sort of a gatekeeper of, of knowledge in and of itself. How are you seeing that culture shift take hold? And what does that mean in terms of the way that the institution goes about sort of it's business. Well, I think it's hard because we have faculty that are world renowned, the work that they've done for so many years. And I think this push into the digital world, some loved it and some didn't as much. I was talking to a student this weekend. And one of the things that he actually misses from the pandemic time is that, you know, when he wanted to talk to a faculty member, he could just get on a Zoom with them. They would call they could connect right away. So I think that there's still some of that culture that we need to continue to evolve because now it's you know back to regular office hours and the student said, I'm not gonna walk over there. <laughs> you know, it's just, that's, that takes too much of my time um, because I have all these other things I wanna do. And so there's a lot that we still need to work on related to culture, I think, and helping to evolve uh, campuses with this new student desires, their needs, and what they're expecting to have. So uh, there, there's still some work to do. I think on the student service side, there's much more of that that's already evolving and happening. Um, you know, it just tends to happen on college campuses. And I mean, we know that if for financial aid, if we don't have a very well laid out award notification that really is easy to understand, then we've, we've lost them. And so, you know, we're getting them past those kind of points, but what do we do as, as a whole to help students find their niche with their with their coursework and, and the academic portions of it. Because I think there's still a lot of culture shifts that need to happen across the country. It's not just here, of course, um, because faculty want to do that. And I think we found that through the, the pandemic is that they really want to serve their students well. But, you know, we have to figure out that balance of exhaustion and, you know, just ability to be on all the time. And so what does that mean? You know, is it more people or is it more automated kinds of things? You know, you have to figure out what that balance is because we know that it's chatbots are not just the only way to do certain things. You know, we have to have that connection to the expertise of our faculty at the same time. So there's still much more to do. Um, but I think that we've, we've really helped um, the campus understand that we have to listen to our students and their families um, to make decisions. And we can't do that in a bubble or we won't succeed. Absolutely. Through the course of, of our conversation here, and, and certainly, you know, if I think back on the pieces that you've contributed to the evolution over the years, there's a, a consistent thread to your thinking and to your philosophy, which is really around customer service, active engagement, and creating an environment that learners really feel at home in, which is, you know, again, very consistent with what you see in the e-commerce space, but is maybe a new idea in the post-secondary space. And I'm curious to your thoughts of what customer service actually means in the context of higher education. I mean, we, you know, I think there's this 
binary effect that happens where, you know, well, how can the customer be right? And, the, you know, therefore the customer doesn't exist in higher ed or, you know, if we adopt customer service, we're going to be a degree mill. And I certainly don't see it that way. So I'm curious, how, how do you combat that critique or that misunderstanding of what customer service means? Yeah. Well, I think in all of the trainings we do, all the focus that we have, it's really about follow-up. And, you know, you may not always be able to give the answer that someone wants, but doing that follow-up and leading with yes in some way, shape, or form, whether that means that you are trying to make some type of accommodation, you may not be able to, but that follow-up and that piece is, is so critical. I mean, I think that we all try here and what we train our folks in enrollment management is to begin with the end in mind. We are not just trying to bring someone in to be a student for their first year. You know, we're thinking of it as a wildcat for life and graduating from the university. So beginning with that end in mind and knowing that every single interaction it makes a difference that that's really where I hope you know my team will always focus and so that's what we we do we talk about follow-up and it, again it doesn't always have to be the answer they want but it has to be that we are following up and we hear from so many that you know they just don't get that they, they don't hear back from someone and so I don't care if it's an email a text a phone call you have to do that follow-up and, and begin with the end in mind absolutely so as you look to, you know, a very competitive post-secondary space, and I mean, in Arizona, I think you're particularly aware of the competitive landscape. For, for learning. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you might have one or two players in, in that state. So what are some best practices that you and your team have adopted to create that sort of sustainable and consistent enrollment pipeline, given the competitive nature of higher education enrollments today? Yeah. Well, some of the things that we've done is just realign a little bit of our work within enrollment management. So one of the things that we have done is not only do we have early academic outreach as a part of enrollment management, so we're focusing on the early, but we also have student engagement and career development as a part of enrollment management. Because again, begin with the end in mind, and we want families to see what that ROI looks like from the very first visit that they have with us. And so that one of the things that we've done is to bring those teams in and uh, the innovation that's happening within our career development. I mean, I don't know if you've seen recently that um, we were one of the first partners with Kaplan for the new career core so that we can really focus on uh, those skills and support that maybe our career services can't offer by themselves, but we can partner with others to make sure that our students are graduating with the very best skills. And so uh, again, we, you know, talking about those best practices, it's really helping families understand what that investment is and what that return on investment will look like for their students. And so those, those are some of the really important things. But I think, you know, we, we know that we can't just do digital work. We know that we still need to do uh, print communications and send those to the families. We know that we can't just expect people to only rely on online. We still need to travel and be um, out there throughout the U.S. And, and the world, actually, not just the U.S., and making sure that we are having those personal connections, those coffee shop meetings with families. So those are, you know, some of the best practices we're going to keep, um, making sure that there's things in the mailbox and there's people in their community that can serve and support them. This episode is brought to you by Modern Campus in partnership with The Evolution. Modern Campus empowers higher ed institutions to thrive when radical change is required to deal with lower student enrollments and revenue, rising costs, crushing student debt, and even school closures. Powered by the industry's only student-first modern learner engagement platform, presidents and provosts can work with Modern Campus to create pathways for lifelong learners while marketing and IT can deliver Amazon-like personalization and instant fulfillment. To find out more on how you can transform your institution to meet the needs of today's modern learner, 
visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.